But I want to read the passage. It is taken out of Isaiah 40. Uh, this is a favorite verse that one of our parishioners has, uh, has submitted to us, and we want to be able to, uh, to look at it, because it, it actually is one of my favorite verses too, and, and a lot of people like this verse. Um, I have broadened out the passage a little bit. The favorite verse was uh, verse 31. But to gain some context, I'm going to start at verse 27. And we'll look at different aspects of that. So um, let's read Isaiah 40, verses 27 through 31. Verse 27, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's pray. Father, as we look at this passage, it gives us a greater understanding of who you are. It helps us to understand the part you play in our lives. And it is a great part. And we ask, Lord, now that as we look at this passage, that you would bring to light those things that would be helpful to our own souls, that we would leave here with something that would be uh, to our advantage as we walk out our lives in a world where a lot of people don't have much strength. They can't walk or run. And Lord, certainly they don't wait very well. So we ask your, for your help now, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. As a test on how well people wait, uh, it, it's interesting to, to see how people are when they're watching their coffee pots make coffee. These people that have this coffee fetish, which I am a tea drinker, Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Uh, I am a tea drinker, uh, but to watch coffee people, you know, coffee is like a church in itself. There are different denominations out there. There are two mainline denominations, and that would be Dunkin' Donuts, and then you have Starbucks, and then you have your independent churches, which is like Coffee Connection down in North Attleboro. And then you have your liberal churches, which are restaurants that serve very poor coffee, okay? So that's the way they do it. And they set up these shrines in their kitchens and steam comes out of them and, and noises come out of them. And this is their worship in the morning. And you watch these people and you watch them wait. And they'll walk into Starbucks or wherever and they walk in rather quickly and they wait in line, wait in line, wait in line. But you can see they're a little edgy. And then they order their coffee, then they wait for their coffee to be made, and they wait and wait and wait. And then they run out very quickly. It's just one of those things where 
we have to wait at times, and it's very difficult. I, as I was driving in uh, Franklin, and during the school year, there were a lot of students that are walking around. And you're at a stoplight, and you're a number of cars back, and you're, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you want them to hurry up, and come on, the light's got to change. And so all of a sudden, this guy walks up, and he presses the button because he wants to cross the street. And you're going, oh, no. I have to wait for this thing to count to 10 before I can leave. And 10, it's not 10 seconds, it's 15 seconds, okay? You have to wait another 15 seconds when somebody presses that button. And it, waiting is always a problem for us. And what we want to do is look today and see how can we grow in this waiting, especially waiting on the Lord, because when we wait on the Lord, he renews our strength. But I think waiting in general is something that we could look at. My main point this morning is learning to wait is one of the most valuable tools in the Christian's armory. It's very hard for us to wait. We're always running around somewhere trying to get something done. So I only have two points for this message, and the first point we're going to spend the most time on, and it's we wait. We wait. The second point is, God renews. We wait, but God renews. He tells us to wait for the Lord. So we wait. Waiting is that time between the promise and the result of the promise. That's what waiting is. There's a promise, and you're waiting for the result of the promise. If you're, if you're drop somebody off and you told them that you would pick them up at a certain time, that waiting time after you said you picked them up and you're not there is very trying, but you're waiting for them. And it's that time between the promise and the result of the promise. So we need to learn how to wait. I think it's a, I think it's a discipline. I think it's a spiritual discipline. I think it's important for us to, to learn these things. And it's such a battle for us in this day and age because everything is so fast and so quick. And we don't have to wait very long. We used to, when you used to order things um, from a catalog back when I was a kid, you'd wait a week or two and you'd finally get it. And I can order something from Amazon and get it tomorrow. You know, it's, it's just, we don't have to wait anymore. So it's important to learn how to wait. We've lost the ability. We've lost that discipline. We've lost the example of waiting. And scripture's telling us that it's important to wait. So there's a lesson here for us. And I think Isaiah has some insights that we can use in this. And one of the first things we need to remember is that God understands. In verse 27, and we'll look at 28 as well, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right hand is disregarded by my God? Because people, people were saying, well, where is God? He's not there. I don't know where he is. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of heaven and earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. God knows. He knows you. He knows the intricacies of your life. He knows the difficulties of your life, the trials, what you're going through. Your way isn't hidden from the Lord. Isaiah is reminding the people, and he's kind of reminding, he's preparing them, really, 
Isaiah is trying to prepare them. You see, the whole of chapter 40 is to encourage the people, to comfort them, to bring direction, to bring clarity into their lives. Why? Because what was going on, if, uh, I, am, I am my professor in Isaiah would be very displeased with me because I'm going to summarize some of Isaiah very poorly. But um, in chapter 38, Hezekiah, who's king of Judah at the time, he's, he got sick and he was going to die and he prayed, God answered his prayer, and God gave him another 15 years of life. Um, answered a prayer, I think it's a great, great passage, things along that line. Uh, and Hezekiah thinks, hey, all is well with the world. And so he's, he's kind of moving along and he's getting very, he kind of gets too comfortable, I think. And what he does is, you know, the people, there's a delegation from Babylon that come over. He says, hey, come on over and visit and stuff. And he shows him all his riches. He shows him all his his military might and power, and which was a big mistake. And Isaiah lets him know, this was a big mistake. You have just opened yourself up to another nation to come and take you over. And um, so then uh, it's interesting because uh, Hezekiah says, well, you know, at least things will be okay during my lifetime, which is, which is kind of a strange way of ending that aspect of it. But basically, Isaiah says that Hezekiah made a great big boo-boo, and, um, and he shows everything. So in chapter 40, he says, comfort, comfort. What, what, what I think Isaiah and what I think God is saying, listen, have you ever had bad news come, and somebody says, I want you to sit down. I want you to sit down and listen. And I think this is kind of what Isaiah is starting with. He says, okay, comfort yourself. Be comforted. This, this kind of comfort isn't, you know, going out and, you know, getting a thing of cookies or something and sit down and finding comfort that way. That's not what we're talking about. It wants you to comfort yourself. It wants you to sit down and I'm going to tell you something. And Isaiah shares things to prepare them for the future. And the next few chapters, a number of chapters, He's starting to tell them what the future is going to hold for them. And it's exciting, actually. There are passages in there that are incredible. They're encouraging words. There's practical things. There's messianic prophecies. There's hope-filled passages, future restoration. Isaiah 40 is designed to get our attention away from everything else that's going on and to hone down on the Lord, the sovereign Lord. We want you to do this. This is a preparation time for you. If you want to find comfort and peace and patience, you have to start to, to go with God and realize that God is the real deal. We need to focus on him. Verse 28 again, he says, have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. He under, his understanding is unsearchable. He understands us. He understands our situations. He knows what Judah is going through. He knows what you are going through, what your life is like. And it's important for us to know that. And Isaiah's promises here that he's talking about are promises worth waiting for. They're things that we need to hear, that the Messiah is coming, that God is going to provide for them. At some point, there is going to be someone that, 
that comes from the wilderness and says, prepare ye the way of the Lord. That passage is in there, talking about John the Baptist. He was a Baptist, you know. There is promise that he's talked about. And that's what we're supposed to, and they were supposed to hang on to, these promises of God that he would take care of them. But there will be a time of waiting. There's a time of waiting before the promise. That's where it gets difficult. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe the promises of God enough to see you through the tough times? Do you believe in the promises of God enough to see you through tough times, to see you through times of uncertainty, to see you through difficulties? Do you believe the promises of God, that God is faithful to his word, that he holds you in the palm of his hand? Because if you do, then today is going to help you to grow in how to wait, in how to wait. So let's define wait, those who wait upon the Lord. To wait, that's the definition, to wait, but also to look for to hope for, to expect, to look eagerly for, to lie in wait for. It's something, it's something that's actively looking for something. It's not just a passive sit back in your chair and relax and wait. It's, it's much, much more than that. I don't know how many of you, I'm sure none of you are like this, but you go to the grocery store. And as you go to the grocery store and you look in there, you realize, okay, it's pretty crowded today. There are going to be lines. So you go and you run around and you gather your groceries and you get as much as you can that you need and then you start heading for the checkout counter and you start vying for position. That's what you do. You have to find what aisle you can go to. And you start to look and you're looking, okay, what do I have here? And you look over at the express aisles. And you say, oh, man, those are all being used and all the lights are flashing and there's 15 people waiting. That's not going to work. I've got to find another one. And you see this lady with 600 pieces of groceries in her cart and, and she's heading the same way. And you don't know if you're in a NASCAR race or a demolition derby. You just got to head for the way to get checked out. And when we wait, we find ourselves if we're stuck behind the person with all the groceries, we find ourselves saying, oh, I should have come earlier. We start second-guessing ourselves. We start looking at within ourselves what's wrong. Oh, this, or, or what's wrong with the store? They should have more aisles open. They should have more cashiers. And we're not focusing on the right thing. You know, when we're in a hurry, I mean, we can get in such a degree that once we get to the cashier, we don't even treat them nicely. We're, we're just in too much of a hurry. We don't put a smile on our face and greet them. The poor cashier has to deal with us people. And we're in a hurry, and it's not because we're afraid our ice cream is going to melt. It's not because we have a, an international meeting with world leaders that we have to get to. It's because we don't know how to wait. It's a trouble for us to wait. So we need to look at this. We need to look at it much more clo closely. There's strength in waiting. There's hope in waiting. There's peace in waiting. 
There's clarity in waiting. There's vision in waiting. And we need to grab a hold of this a little bit to gather a little more understanding on what it is. I think waiting is a fruit of hope and faith. If we have hope, if we have faith, if we have trust in God, we're much more willing to wait. There's much more of the character of God within us, the sanctifying grace of God and his spirit in our lives when we uh, have that faith and hope and we find ourselves much more patient. We find ourselves much more willing to wait. Our hope in the Lord is something we want to hang on to, realizing that God's timing is perfect. Everything he knows and understands is, is well worth waiting for. It's the Lord's plan. His desire is good for you. The belief in, in his hearing our prayers and knowing our situations, he knows what's best for us. And we don't have to worry. We don't have to be anxious. And I can wait in peace. That's what we want to be able to get a hold of. We want to be able to have that peace. Because if we learn how to wait and wait with peace, we'll get strengthened. We'll get renewed. Now, what I just told you, you say, well, that's all in the, in the Bible and it's all very good, Dave. And, you know, it sounds biblical and, you know, hope and trust is hard and, and all of that. So how do we... How do we what do we do with this? How do we do with this? Not, there has to be much more than just, okay, you have to wait. There must be something there that, that's going on. And I think this is important. And this is the other part of the word wait that usually we don't know about. In Hebrew, the other part of waiting is collecting. The word waiting also means collecting in Hebrew. You can gather things together. It's almost like gathering together and binding them together or twisting together. I noticed this this morning. Linda set this out as a decoration, and this wasn't part of my message, but this is like binding and gathering this wheat together and binding it together. That's what waiting is. And I'm going to tell you about that in a minute. Thank you, Linda, for putting that there. That was helpful. But... Uh, so it's this waiting, it alludes to collecting, binding together by twisting things together. When we're waiting for the Lord, we are collecting and strengthening our hope and our expectations. When we have to wait, it's time to focus on the Lord and gather our faith and realize our hope and understand what God is doing so that we can gather together so that it strengthens us. We don't give up. So when we're looking at waiting for the Lord, it's more than taking out your phone and saying, okay, oh, it's somebody's birthday. Let me give them a little, let me emojiize them. Is that a word? Let me emojiize them. And, and that's not waiting. People nowadays think that waiting, well, I'll wait for, I got to wait for somebody. I'll take out my phone and look at it for however long it takes, and that's what we do. But it's a gathering together of things that will help us to wait. That's what it is. That's what he's talking about. Waiting is a gathering of things to help us. So some of the things we could say, Bible reading. Okay, let's be simple. This is the basic. Reading your Bible while you're waiting is helpful. All right, that is helpful to you. Prayer is helpful. Worship is helpful. Listening to worship music while you're waiting is helpful to your soul. 
And this is what, what, this is what Isaiah is talking about. He wants to try to get the people to, to focus on the Lord, to gather together the things that are going to help them spiritually because they need to wait. And when they do that, they are going to grow in their strength. God is going to increase their strength and help them. will grow in trust and faith and hope. Bring what you know. We know so many things about the Bible. We've heard so many things in Scripture. We really have a lot in there that we can rely on. Bringing those things and binding them together. We need encouragement from one another. And we need to be encouraging. That's another aspect of binding things together. Encouraging one another. You know, the one, the, the person, and this is, this is, uh, came to my mind, and maybe it does you, but a lot of times when we're waiting, we don't, we don't think about the person next to us, but the person next to you is waiting too. Everybody is waiting. Everybody's waiting for something, and they're all in different places, and if we're waiting for the Lord, we can all encourage one another and help one another in that process so that we are renewed in strength. When the church gathers together, that is a a coming and waiting upon the Lord. What does the Lord have for us as we worship together and pray together and sing together? But there's another aspect of collecting, which the first part that we just mentioned is a very important part, but there's another thing about collecting, and that is collecting the things and binding these things that are hindrances to us. So if you, for example, this one's right off the top of my head, if you have a bunch of, if you're doing a lot of gardening and you're, you're weeding your garden and you're just throwing the weeds everywhere, it's, it's not gonna, you wanna bind them together to get rid of them. You don't want to keep them out there. You don't want to replant them in another part of your yard. You want to gather them together, and you want to throw them out. That's what you want to, or throw them in your neighbor's yard. Whatever it is you want to do with them. So you want to gather these things together, the things that are not going to benefit you in your life while you're waiting. Nor will they bring glory to God while you're waiting. So, for example, let's, let's look at some of these things. Our emotions. Our emotions we need to start to gather together, to bring together, because our emotions run amok sometimes. They just, just go everywhere while we're waiting because we're impatient. We're, there's many different things. So our emotions can run rampant when we're waiting. And it's usually because of self-gratification. We're not getting what we want. We're impatient. We, uh, we're angry about whatever's going on. We're in a mood maybe um, self-worship or, you know, you have to wait a long time in the coffee line. One of, the, one of those things. But let's break this down a little more. They can be a little more helpful because there are certain things when, we're, when we have these things going on that stand out a little more than other things. So I want to break this down a little bit to give us greater insight and understanding on it as well as to prepare us for the waiting of the Lord. But one of the things are fears. Fears are a big one. We, we start questioning God out of fear. So we want to get rid of fear. We want to deal with our fears and the ramification of fears. We start questioning and say, is God going to do it right? Is his timing okay? 
Does he really know what's going on? Are we afraid that it won't work the way we want it to? Because, you know, we think we know best anyway. So we start thinking, and these fears rise up in us while we're waiting, because while we're waiting, we're not gathering the things of God together. We're sitting too idly, and we're letting these things run rampant through our minds. You see, fear is one of the biggest hindrances to waiting, and fear has cousins. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Fear has cousins, and we're going to talk about family today, okay? A lot of second and third cousins fear has. We'll get into his first cousin in a minute. A lot of second and third cousins that he has. And when we fear, we start to fear while we're waiting, it's like all of a sudden this invitation for a big family reunion. And all of these cousins come from all over the place, and they just want to mess you up. So all the fear cousins, the family of fear, show up. So the first cousin is self-preservation. We feel like we have no control. We feel like we're free-falling. We're, we're not trusting God. We feel helpless, but God is truly in control. So that's the first cousin. We have to realize it's not, God has us. He's got us. He's in control. And we don't need to have these feelings that help us. So we want to bind that up. And we want to say, this is a lie from the enemy, and we want to throw it away. That's one of the things. Second cousin is a doubt. Or if, if doubt had a, had a twin, indecisiveness, indecisiveness. So we question God, we doubt God, we doubt what's going on and what we see and what we think and what we start to rationalize and, and we get distracted by our own thinking and we start to doubt what God is doing, and when we doubt what God is trying to do, we find out that we can't really make decisions. Everything is, everything is messed up. Everything is, is all over the place, and we can't make a decision. And that's where the enemy wants to, us to be, is in a place where we can't make any decisions. We're distracted by our own thoughts, and we doubt. We ask ourselves, is God really going to come through? We're not waiting for the Lord. <laughs> and that time between promise and the result of promise becomes very, very stormy instead of having that confidence that we can have in God. Cousin number three, hopelessness. We think that the time has passed. We might as well just forget about it. Sometimes we'll do that even when we're in line. If we see it's too busy because we don't want to wait, we just say, oh, forget it. And we just go our separate ways. Well, we do that with spiritual things as well. We just give up. We just don't move ahead because, oh, it's just too much. We're fearful. It's, it's a hopeless situation. We're not going to be able to do it. So I'm just going on. There are other cousins. I, I, I'd love to go through this all day, but we can't. Other cousins are depression, discouragement, disappointment, impatience, self-centeredness, appetite, the appetite to comfort yourself. Instead of finding comfort and insurance in the Lord, we think that a pint of ice cream in a movie is going to do far greater than reading our Bible and praying. And we miss out on what God has for us. But I think the worst cousin of all is the first cousin. The worst cousin of all is anxiety. Anxiety. That's fear's first cousin. Closely related to fear but different 
It's different than fear. So you see, fear sees danger. Fear actually has some validity to it. Fear sees danger. Now we can have the faith to move on or whatever, but anxiety imagines that there's danger. Anxiety is, we're not sure it's really there, but I think it might be, therefore I am going to be anxious. And we let our lives just turn into this swirling turmoil of feelings and fear. In our fear, we think we see danger or trouble ahead. In anxiety, when anxiety takes over, we imagine things are much, much worse. If you've ever had surgery, that would be the case. You're fearful because you know what's coming up, but you are anxious because you think it's going to be worse than it is. Okay, that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, it's like leeches with the rest of the emotions. They come and attach themselves to you, and you're really quite miserable. Anxiety is not something that we should be excited about at all. But when we wait for the Lord, our strength is renewed. We have hope. Truth is made clear. In Daniel chapter 7, and I've never looked at this before until just recently in this way. In Daniel chapter 7, starting at verse 15, Daniel has visions, and he has visions and prophecies, and I'm not going to try to interpret anything. But the way he responds to things, I think, is something that is good for us to look at here. And starting in verse 15 of chapter 7, it says, As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions in my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all these things. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall rise out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever and ever. Verse 19, just the beginning. Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast. Truth quelled his anxiety. When he knew the truth, when we know the things of God are true, they should quell the anxiety. If we believe that God is there for us and it is true, we should relax. We should be able to trust in God and not worry about that. That's why in Philippians chapter 4, Paul says in verse 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, because our understanding is going to be limited. And we're going to think, hey, I'm anxious about these things. I must not have understanding about them, but I keep relying on my own understanding. He's saying, this is surpasses all understanding. will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So because anxiety distracts, it is worry about things that may not happen, it's void of faith and trust and truth is missing. That's why we need to pray. That's why we need to wait for God so we can be strengthened by that. So we want to gather those things together and we want to throw them out. That's what waiting is, is gathering those things together so we can throw them out. So we can keep going on in this. We're going to move ahead. Point two, God renews. God renews. 
God renews in the waiting. God strengthens in the waiting. God helps us to walk and to run. There's a time in our lives when we have to let God do what he, what God does. We have to let God do what God does. We're too busy trying to hang on to things ourselves. And when we become a Christian, we say, Lord, here's my life. You take my life. I believe that your sacrifice was sin, was for complete and total, that I can receive forgiveness for my sin. But then once we become Christians, we start to sway and dwell and swerve, and, and we start to question we don't remember that God renews, that God gives strength, that God has a lot of things for us, and we're just not remembering that. He cares for his people. And I know I'm oversimplifying all of this, but in the middle of the trial in, in Isaiah, there's judgment and punishment and shifting and changing in lives. God still cares about the people of Israel. God still cares about them. If you're a Christian, he has you in the palm of his hand. He still cares about you no matter what you're going through. So that is a place of comfort that we can come to because God is God. Verse 31 again in, in, in Isaiah 40. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. It means they had lost it for a little while. They need it. They need some strength. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint. The chorus, the chorus that we used to sing with that verse, it, at the end of it, it said, teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, to wait. That would be the end of the little chorus that we used to sing with that verse. Renew their strength, defined as gaining new. It's gaining new, passing through quickly. It's able to get to one place to another so that you are growing in, in, in strength. You're growing up. It also has to do with like the new shoots of grass growing up, that you're growing in God, that something is happening in your life, and you're feeling better about it. You're liking what you see. It's a change for the better to a place of strength and power and might. And we're not just speaking of physical strength here because we know that, frankly, I can't do the same things I used to do when I was younger, but we're talking about emotional strength, spiritual strength, strength of character, strength of faith. It's a trust in God that sees you through whatever you're faced with. And often we think that that's all up to us. We think, oh, I have to build up my faith more. I have to build up my strength more. No, wait on the Lord and he'll renew your strength. You'll mount up with wings. Mounting up means going up. We're going to raise up. We're going to move forward. We'll mount up with wings like eagles. It's kind of like climbing. We start to climb up. We're climbing out of the hole that we're digging ourselves in. We're moving forward. We're meeting someone who should be God. We're springing up. I suppose there'll be a spring in your step, so to speak. Your spiritual side is stirred feel like things are starting to sail more smoothly, but not necessarily having your circumstances change. But you sense a peaceful spirit about yourself. 
as you sense this renewed view of your life, this renewed view of your life and what God is doing, you'll run, you'll function, and you won't grow weary. You'll have perspective. In other words, we need to wait for the Lord. We need to wait for the Lord. He will see us through. We don't know what he'll do. We don't know how he'll do it, but we need to wait for love. That's his job. Let him do his job. He's saying we can live, we can ascend, we can move forward, we can walk, we can run, no matter what we're dealing with or what we're going through, because we trust in the Lord and we wait for him. You know, it is hard to wait. When, when you look at the reality of what you're going through, it is hard to wait. When there's a desire to attain something and you can't do it, it's difficult, it's disappointing. Or a desire for something to end, for a life event to change, or something along that line, or we see something coming to pass we didn't expect. It's hard to wait on the Lord. We think there's no light at the end of the tunnel sometimes, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. We think our strength is waning, but all we have to do is wait on the Lord. We want to give up, but really there is faith and the living God available to, to help us to climb up out of that pit that we dig ourselves in. God's word is clear. If we wait, he sustains us. He helps us. As we wait, as we pray, as we read his word, God acts. Abraham waited 25 years for the promise to be filled for Isaac to be born. Moses waited 40 years wandering through the wilderness with all these complaining people before he saw them enter into the promised land. The disciples waited in the upper room for 10 days for the Spirit to fall after the ascension. There was a time of waiting when God did many things, and we need to wait. We don't always know why we have to wait, but God knows. We need to put our trust in him. Our strength is renewed in him. If you want to walk and run and, and soar, wait on the Lord. Trust in the Lord. And whatever circumstances you're in, you'll have peace in him. This, this is a promise. This is a biblical promise. We need to trust God in his word. I want to read a couple of verses of Getty's song, Our Hope in Life and Death, just really stood out to me. I was listening, Abby made a playlist, and I was listening to it, and this song came out as I was writing the message, and I said, this is so encouraging. So I want to read this to you. What is our hope in life and death? Christ alone. Christ alone. What is our only confidence that our souls to him belong? Who holds our days within his hand? What comes apart from his command? And what will keep us to the end? The love of Christ in which we stand. Then it says, oh, sing hallelujah. I mean, there's something to praise God about. Sing hallelujah. Our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah. Now and ever we confess Christ our hope in life and death. 
What truth can calm the troubled soul? God is good. God is good. Where is his grace and goodness known? In our great Redeemer's blood, who holds our faith when fears arise, who stands above the stormy trial, who sends the waves that bring us nigh unto the shore, the rock of Christ. Oh, sing hallelujah. Our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah. Now and ever we confess Christ, our hope in life and death. Before we pray, I just wanted to go back to what Dan's call to worship was. Nahum 1.7 said, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that your word teaches us so much. But Lord, you know we are not easily taught. We don't easily grasp things. We don't easily put into practice the things that would help us spiritually. So I pray, I pray, Lord, that you would stir within us a desire to know when to wait, to know when to get our strength from you, to not let the things of this world distract us and to start to rise up within us the fears that may come our way or the discouragements or other sins in our life that easily take us away from what you have for us. So we ask, Lord, that you would help us. And we thank you, Lord, that you have provided such an opportunity as to wait for the Lord so that we can mount up his wings with eagles and run and not faint, walk and not be weary. So we thank you, Lord, for your grace, your truth, and your care. In Jesus' name, amen.